we are going to get started here. Um, I think we've got two more this week and then one more EQ. Is that right, Tom? I, I think we've got one more after this that Josh is going to teach on part two of the promises of God in a couple weeks. Almost the end of the year here. <laughs> um, let's pray and, and then we'll jump into today's lesson. Lord God, we are thankful for you. Um, Lord, we are thankful that you are sovereign over all things. Lord, that you give everything that we need. Um, God, we are, we are thankful that you are glorious, God, that you are holy, and that you still show grace and mercy to sinners like us, Lord. Um, I, I pray as we consider these things this morning, Lord, from your word, God, that you would just give us humble hearts. Um, help us to, to pursue faithfulness to you. Help us to pursue your glory better as a result of, of big thoughts of, of who you are, um, right thoughts of who we are. God, I, I, I pray that we would be men who would tremble at your word, who would fear you not fear anything else because of who you are, God. Um, we pray that you'd be glorified this morning. In Christ's name, amen. So this, we're going to, I'll start by just reading this quote um, from Teddy Tripp's book, Instructing a Child's Heart. John Newton wrote in Amazing Grace, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. The fear of the Lord Tripp says, is a response to his holiness and his hatred of wickedness. Those who fear also know that God is awesome and glorious. Fear is the sense of reverential awe before his sovereign grandeur. Um, on Saturday, we just heard the command, be anxious for nothing. Um, in Matthew 6, Jesus actually gives a, a really similar command. Do not be worried about your life what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear, or tomorrow. And at the same time, um, we are commanded to fear Yahweh in Matthew 10 and, and Luke 12. Fear the Lord. Um, that's going to be our topic this morning. My hope is that, that God, through his word this morning, would produce a godly fear of him, that we'd be, um, that we would just seek to bring him more and more glory as we live these days. Um, so what is fear? That's what we're going to talk about at the beginning here in the intro section. You can just take notes as, as you see fit. Um, fear, first of all, is common to man. In the Old Testament, the word group that means fear appears 435 times. And then in the New Testament, the Greek word for fear, the word that's behind phobia, we see 158 times. Um, just like every other temptation, fear is common to man. Um, God's word acknowledges and it addresses fear, starting all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, when man first knew shame because of sin, he hid from his maker because he was afraid. Um, even all the way to Revelation in, in, our, fut in our future human history, um, man will fear various things, rightly and wrongly. Fear is common. 
how should we define fear? So Webster says, fear is an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. Another definition from there is, it's anxious concern. Another definition is, it is a profound reverence and awe, especially toward God. Or it's a reason for alarm because of danger. Um, I think generally those, those definitions are great. They're helpful for fear in general. Um, what, what do the words mean in our Bible, in the Old Testament and the New Testament? When I read the word fear in the Old Testament, what does it mean? Um, in the Old Testament, the word has a, has a range from terror to reverence and respect all the way to worship. It's, it's kind of a, a broad range. Um, one dictionary says that this word originally meant to tremble. And we actually see trembling as a sign of fear with fear all over the Old Testament. Um, like in Psalm 2, it's paired with joy and trembling, this, this trust in God. In Greek, if you were to do a word study and pull up the word that's used for fear, um, the dictionary might tell you that this word is from a word that originally meant to flee, to run away. Um, that idea of running in fear probably like, makes sense to you, <laughs> probably resonates with you. Um, it, it does resonate with me with because of ideas like fight or flight. Um, we know that in, s in scary situations, those are two of the natural responses. What are we going to do? Um, but regardless of what that word did mean around 700 years before the New Testament was written, I, d I don't think it's actually helpful to have that run in fear picture in our minds when we're reading our New Testament. Um, it seems like the word fear is, is used in a really similar way to the Old Testament. Instead of picturing run in fear in our Bibles, we actually see men trembling and falling down. Um, we, we even see a desire to worship that which is fearful. So what should we think of when we see the word fear in our Bibles? Either terror or reverence that leads to trembling, that, that even leads to worship. Fear is common. We understand the feeling of fear. Um, but the question is, do we fear the Lord in a godly way? Do I fear him rightly? Um, or have I let anything else misplace my fear of the Lord? Do I fear God or do I fear something else? Um, Psalm 27 says, As Yahweh is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Um, speaking about this verse, one really old pastor said, if, if you fear God, you will fear nothing else. So with that, we're going to just jump into five facets of the fear of the Lord. Um, and the first one that we're going to look at is believers are God-fearers. Believers are God-fearers. Um, in the book of Job, we see um, in, in verse 1 of the book, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless, upright, 
fearing God and turning away from evil. Um, In verses 8 to 11, after God tells that same phrase to Satan, Satan questions him saying, Does Job fear God without cause? Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? Have you blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land? But send forth your hand now and touch all that he has. He will surely curse you to your face. Um, Satan is saying, of, of course he fears you. He honors you while you've only given what's, what's good in his eyes. Uh, but if you take away those things you've given him, um, if you take away his stuff and then later if you harm him, then he won't fear you anymore, Satan says. But believers are God-fearers, not, not tied to the things that they have or the things they've been given, not tied to health, but, but they are tied to their God. Um, in the book of Psalms, in Psalm 115, um, starting in verse 9, th- this, is what, this is what we read. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Verse 13 says, He will bless those who fear the Lord, the small together with the great. God's people are God-fearers. And this isn't just an Old Testament way of talking about believers. In Acts and then in Revelation, we see that believers are those who fear God. Um, Here's Revelation 19, verses 5 and 6. And a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God all you his slaves who fear him, the small and the great. Then I heard something like a voice of a great multitude and like the sound of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Faith in God is not at odds with fear of him. Um, Faith in him is actually tied to fear of him. Um, why is that? Um, the second facet of, of fearing God is God is worthy of fear. Luke 12, 4 and 5, we see that God is worthy of fear because of his authority. God is worthy of fear because of his authority. Jesus says, I say to you, my friends, in verse 4, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two cents, yet not one of them is forgotten before God? Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear you are more valuable than many sparrows. It is right to fear God because of who he is. He is worthy of fear because of his authority. Um, And he calms every other fear because of who he is. He has has authority, and right alongside that authority, authority, he cares for his people. Um, Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 9. These next set of verses, um, we see God is worthy of fear 
because he rightly judges sin, and we are sinners. God is worthy of fear because he rightly judges sin, and we are sinners. Um, we actually did not get to see much of human history unfold before sin entered in, into the world. Um, but ever since it did, man has rightly been afraid in the presence of God's holiness. Um, we are sinful. God is perfect in holiness. He is right to judge sin. And it is a right. It's understandable. Um to fear God's judgment of sin. Look at, look at what Moses said in Deuteronomy 9, verses 18 and 19. And I fell down before Yahweh, as at the first, forty days and nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water, because of all your sin, which you had committed in doing what was evil in the sight of Yahweh, to provoke him to anger. For I was afraid of the anger and the wrath which, with which Yahweh was provoked against you in order to destroy you. But Yahweh listened to me that time also. Just, just think of Moses' closeness to God. Moses' knowledge of God. He had seen God deliver. He had seen God's judgment. He knows God's goodness and God's care. He saw God provide. He'd heard directly from God. I think Moses here is pretty informed about who God is. Um, he understands God's character and is afraid. And knowing all of that is afraid because of the anger and wrath of God. Um, God is worthy of fear because he judges sin and because we are sinners. Um, keep your Bible open to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, because we're actually going to be back there in just a couple minutes. Um, but Revelation 15, 3 and 4, we, we also see this, the, same t the same thing. God is and he will be worthy of fear because of who he is and what he does. So God is, even will be, worthy of fear because of who he is and what he does. Um, and in Revelation, we see this statement. Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God the Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, your gl and glorify your name? Because for you alone are holy. For all the nations will come and worship before you. For your righteous acts have been revealed. God is worthy of fear. Um, next, we see God demands fear. Um, so turn to Deuteronomy 10, verses 12 and 13. Um, and we are going to be jumping around in Deuteronomy a couple more times. Deuteronomy 10, verses 12 and 13 says, Now, Israel... What does Yahweh your God require from you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the Lord's commandments 
and his statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. Um, so there, there are a couple sections like this in the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to look at another one in just a little bit. Um, Moses has just recounted God's grace and his kindness to Israel up through their time at Mount Horeb um, from chapters 5 to 9. Um, Israel received the commandments, then they made the golden calf, then Moses interceded, and God was willing to not destroy them. Um, then we get this section that starts um, at verse 12 and makes an appeal to Israel here. Um, just before they enter, enter into the promised land, that Israel would be faithful to Yahweh, their God. Um, that they would be faithful to him who has made this amazing covenant with them. Um, that's what's being referenced in the first two words of verse 12. And now, O Israel, now in light of God's incredible patience towards you um, and his continuing presence among you, what does the Lord your God ask of you, except in, in light of his patience and his, and his presence, um, he has not asked or required much of you, Israel. He hasn't required anything that's complicated. Um, this, this is a command, but it, it is not a complicated one. It's not too much to ask of them. This is what was required of Israel, to fear to walk, to love, to serve, to keep. One commentator says, God demands the kind of obedience that affects every part of a person's being. Israel is to fear Yahweh their God. Um, God demands, he requires that each of his people would live holy all the way for him. All of you is to be about God's glory. Um, and this command actually includes fear from Israel. They are to revere him. With trembling humility, they are to honor the self-existent, covenant-keeping God of Israel. Um, and, and this is the sort of humility that leads towards obedience and worship. They are commanded to fear. Um, there, there are all these other things that go right along with fearing the Lord their God that are close associates of fear of the Lord in a godly life. Um, they are to have a whole life of devotion that includes fear, and they're to live according to all of God's ways, not according to their own ways. Um, they are to love him. They live according to his commands, according to God's wisdom. They are to love him with commitment to him. They are to serve Yahweh your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Israel was indebted to God. Um, he is their God, and they are to serve him with all of who they are. They are not to withhold a part of them from their devotion to him. There can't be a part of life, a part of their desires, their thoughts, their preferences that's off limits. All of them is to serve him alone. And they are to obey in verse 13. They're to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which he's commanding them today. God's words, his laws, his rules are to be honored because they are his. Their obedience, their, all of their life is to be God-oriented. Um, and, and that's for their good. 
God's requirement for Israel was not to take their their own well-being, their own welfare into their own hands. Um, he didn't tell them to to follow five steps and you'll get everything your heart desires. Um, it's not a five-step plan for a better you. The, uh, the appeal is for them to respond to him with their entire being because of him, because of his goodness. Um, and, and that that appeal actually continues on and on and, and just builds as, as Moses continues. God demands fear of the Lord. It was a command to his people. And, and I think it is really helpful for us to see the associates of the fear of the Lord here. Fear of the Lord is commanded and the fear of the Lord is not at odds with, with these things. It's not at odds with action it's not at odds with love. Um, neither of those things are against um, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not at odds with striving or working really hard for obedience. That's actually in line with the fear of the Lord. Um, all of those things are pieces of the same puzzle. They go together um, to make up this one right response to a good God. Israel needed to respond with all of them to who God was and what he did. Um, go ahead and turn to Romans 11. If you want to keep a finger in Deuteronomy, you can. We're going to look at Romans 11, verses 20 to 22. I think it's it's helpful to see God's faithfulness and, in, and his unchanging character in both sides of our Bibles. Um, his grace is on display in his first book. Um, and then it's actually spelled out with some more details as you read left to right. Um, his good judgment is on display in the first chapters of our Bible. And then it's spelled out with some extra details as we read left to right. God's character does not change. Um, in this command for believers, even now Gentile believers outside of Israel is actually consistent throughout our whole Bibles. Um, I'm going to start in verse 19 of Romans 11. Verse 19 says, You will say then, branches were broken off so that I may be grafted in. Quite right. They were broken off for their unbelief. But you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Behold, the kindness and severity of God. To those who fell, severity. But to you, God's kindness, if you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. So Paul is, is working towards this amazing truth about God's faithfulness that Israel, despite what it looks like in the world around them right now, uh, despite Israel's rebellion to him, is still beloved. Um, they will still be shown mercy. But here, as we wait for that restoration of Israel, they were broken off for their unbelief. But you stand by your faith. 
and he says, do not be conceited, but fear. Um, here, fear, humble rever- reverence, is in line with faith, and it's in opposition to something. So it, it goes together with faith, and then it's actually set in opposition to something in this, in this verse. Um, there are two commands, two imperatives that must be obeyed here. And they are, do not be conceited and fear. Likewise, fear. Do not be conceited. Um, you cannot be haughty or proud with your thoughts. Um, Paul's telling the church, there is no room for a proud attitude. There is no room under God's grace to you, believer, for proud thoughts or exalted feelings about yourself. You are completely dependent upon God's grace. Um, so don't be proud. And that, that's a command for believers to obey. But instead of that, fear. That, that's a command to you, believer, fear. And, and Paul tells us why. Because God is all that he says he is. Um, he shows amazing grace and kindness. That is, that is a truth that we love. And he will not compromise. He will make all things right. He will provide perfect justice. That, that's a truth that we need to love about, about who God is. God is kind and God is severe, this, this, this verse says. That's what verse 22 says. God himself isn't limited by my understanding or my thoughts about him. He definitely doesn't restrain his care for the universe, just according to my favorite attribute of him. We are to have faith. Um, we are called to be humble and fear because of the kindness and the severity of God that we can see. He, he says in verse 21, for if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Behold the kindness and severity of God to those who fell severity, but to you, God's kindness. If you continue in his kindness, otherwise you also will be cut off. God has acted with kindness and severity. Believers, we actually receive his kindness. Um, and he will, in the future, continue to act out of his abundant grace and out of his perfect severity. God has precisely measured exact justice um, that does cut off those who, in their pride, refuse to believe. So be humble, fear. God requires, he demands fear from you, believer. Trust in him and obey him. The, the next facet of the fear of the Lord is, is cultivating fear. Cultivating those things that we just heard go along with fear. Um, so go ahead and turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Um, here we're going to see this summary. Humbly seek God in his word. That's 
That's what we'll see here. Uh, Deuteronomy 4 is another one of those section dividers in the book of Deuteronomy. And it summarizes, it actually summarizes and applies the truth from chapters 1 through 3. Um, Deuteronomy 4 verse 1 starts with the same phrase that chapter 10 did. So now Israel, Israel just heard Moses' recount of God's faithfulness during their time in the wilderness um, all the way up to their time now at the Jordan River. Um, they are getting ready to cross over. Moses himself desires to cross with them, but he's, he's not going to. And now in light of God's faithfulness, Israel is exhorted to be faithful and to be obedient. Um, so we're going to read chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, and we're going to see two means that God desired his people to use to cultivate a godly response to who he is and what he's done. Um, verse 9 says, Only keep yourself and keep your soul very carefully, lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. But make them known to your sons and to your grandsons. Remember the day that you stood before Yahweh your God at Horeb. When Yahweh said to me, assemble the people to me, that I may cause them to hear my words, so they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children. Um, so Moses is giving this instruction to Israel so that they would be faithful to their faithful God. Uh, he wanted them to have a proper response in all of life to who God is and what he had done for them. Um, and God actually, here I, th I think, just shows his knowledge of his people. Um, he knows their weakness. He knows their forgetfulness. He understands his creatures better, better than we do. Um, he knows exactly what we need. And here's his prescription. This is the first command that leads to godliness. Don't trust yourself. Live in humility before your faithful God. Keep, watch, guard yourself carefully, diligently. Um, Israel needed to give lots and lots of careful attention to their own hearts. Um, not assuming that their desires are good. Um, not assuming their own thoughts, their own actions are good. They needed to pay attention to themselves. They needed to live carefully, humbly, under their glorious God. Um, because if they were not diligent, if, if they let off the gas or if they weren't careful in guarding their inward man, they would forget and depart. They wouldn't remain faithful. They wouldn't remember. Um, do you see that in the middle of verse 9? Lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen. Keep yourself really carefully. Lest you forget. Um, I, as I was reading this, I was thinking, it's just like... God knew that we could be caught up in the moment. <laughs> um, 
that we could be caught up in our own desires, in our own feelings. Um, being under the sun, feeling the weights of different moments, feeling the joys and sorrows in this life um, can be overwhelming. It can be consuming. It can be distracting. Um, and if Israel didn't give careful attention to themselves, they would forget. Even though God had, had shown himself so clearly to them, he'd given signs, he'd given judgments, he'd brought them out of Egypt through the wilderness, they still had to give diligent care to their hearts or they wouldn't continue living in line with, with who God is and what he had done for them. Israel's hope for honoring the Lord with their days depended on remembering God's faithfulness um, and then in a humble careful life lived in response to God. He has remembered, he has them remember how he taught them this same thing at, at Horeb in verse 10. He had them assemble so that he would cause them to hear his words so that they may learn to fear him. What did God use to produce fear of Yahweh in Israel? them hearing his words. God wanted Israel to hear his words so that when they, so that then they would learn to fear for the rest of their days. Um, they would actually teach their children. Israel needed God's words. Um, do we need something different in order to know God rightly, in order to respond to him rightly? I don't think so. Um, 1 Peter 1, 17 to 19. Um, how are believers to cultivate fear in God? We, we see remembering him in his gospel and humbling ourselves before his desires for you. That's how we cultivate fear. Um, starting in verse 15 of, of 1 Peter Peter says, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. If you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but knowing you were redeemed with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. God desires you, believer, to be holy, to pursue holiness. Um, verse 17, God judges impartially, so conduct yourself in fear during the time of your stay on earth. This reverence of God is actually not a one-time event, uh, but it is a lifelong pursuit because of who God is and because of what God has done. How do you go about living this way? Well, it's, it's with this truth that you, believer, have come to know. Verse 18, you cannot conduct yourself in, 
or you can conduct yourself in the fear of the Lord knowing, knowing the gospel, that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold, but knowing you were redeemed with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Believer, remember who God is. Remember what he has done for you, knowing that truth we just heard, um, knowing him, live in fear of him, pursue holiness. Um, and lastly, there, there are so many benefits of fearing the Lord. Um, the Proverbs, um, these Proverbs are, are all truisms. They're general truths. They're not specific promises that are, um, that are a guaranteed result. We can't look at our day, look at these verses and say, I, I just feared the Lord. Now I'm going to cash in one of these promises. Um, but they are general truths. A life, lived, a life lived in fear of the Lord goes hand in hand with good things. Um, with avoiding what is wrong, and the consequences that come with that wrong um, and actually benefit, benefiting from what is right and good. Um, so here are the, the benefits of the fear of the Lord in the, in the Proverbs. Um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You guys know that verse well. The fear of the Lord is hating evil. It prolongs life. Because of it, you will rock, walk in uprightness. It is a confidence. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. It is instruction for wisdom. It keeps you away from evil. It leads to life. The fear of the Lord is tied to humility, and it has a reward of riches, honor, and life. By it, you will avoid snares and it leads to honor. It leads to a praiseworthy life. Um, those are great benefits. <laughs> they are not the best benefits that come with the fear of the Lord. Um, Isaiah 66, 1 and 2, um, really in, in verse 2, for, for my hand made all these things, God says, heaven and earth. Thus, all these things came into being, declares Yahweh. But to this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. God gives favor to the one who fears him. Believer, he has given everything to you. Um, he cares for those who fear him those who are humble, who are contrite of spirit, and who tremble at his word. So continue on in the fear of the Lord. Um, God desires you to fear him. He desires you um, to tremble at his words. And he desires to give him of himself to those who fear him. In, in Revelation 19 and 21, those who fear God get God. Um, that, and that's the best benefit. There, there isn't a benefit that's better than that. 
those who fear God are in his presence, praising him, enjoying the reward of Christ's righteousness applied to them. They are forever blessed as they worship him, as they serve him in his presence. Um, There could not be any greater benefit, and it is given to those who fear him. Believer, your sins have been paid for by the blood of Jesus on on his cross. Um, You will not know his wrath that you did deserve. So continue on in in the fear of the Lord and, and don't grow weary of continuing on in the fear of the Lord. As life's trials come, as hardships in in this life come, whether they're from conflict or from any other source, you have no need to fear anything else in this life if you fear the Lord. He is greater than any of life's trials. Um, He removed your biggest problem and he will not leave you or forsake you. You can trust in him. Um, the the verses that we get to sing every so often um, from this song below are, are just so good. Um, now, why this fear and unbelief? Because we are fearful. <laughs> um, we're tempted towards unbelief in this life. Has not the Father put to grief his spotless Son for us? And will the righteous judge of men condemn me for that debt of sin now canceled at the cross? Be still, my soul, and know this peace. The merits of your great high priest have bought your liberty. Rely then on his precious blood. Don't fear your banishment from God, since Jesus sets you free. Let's, let's go ahead and pray, and we'll break up into groups. Lord God, um, you are good. You are, are great. Lord, I, I pray that you would be with us this week as, as we um, go through normal life, as we go through trials that, that are sure to come. Lord, help us to, to fix our eyes on you. Lord, as, as things do not go according to our plans this week, um, I, I pray that we wouldn't be overwhelmed or consumed with ourselves, but that we would fix our eyes on, on you, God, because you are good. You are great and mighty, and you are good and kind. Lord, your judgment is good. Your wrath is good. Help us to fear you. Help us to think rightly about about heaven. Help us to think rightly about hell. And help us to to live in accordance with with who you are and what you have done, Lord. Help us to be um, free with the gospel. um, To call people in this world around us to, to knowing you, to fearing you. Because, God, you are fearsome. Lord, we, we desire to tremble at your word. We, we pray that your word this week would, would produce in us worship, um, would produce 
lives that that are humbled under your hand. Um, and God, we we do pray that that you would be glorified um, in our lives. Lord, be glorified in our thoughts that that long to trust in you. Um, be glorified in our words that long to boast in you. Um, be glorified in our in our lives as as we long to to serve you and honor you with our days. God, we we ask this in your precious name. Amen.